0: Antonio Brown's good, right? I mean, what? You can't have Antonio Brown going up against Adore Jackson and Logan Ryan and not expect him to go over 100 yards and score two touchdowns. Feels like the bare minimum what you could expect from Antonio Brown last night. And like he always is, Antonio Brown, right? Number one on the playerprofiler.com weekly rankings. But what's interesting about Antonio Brown is he's always projected to score two or more points more than the next guy on the list. So, and this is aggressive. Having Antonio Brown projected to score more than 21 fantasy points in a week seems aggressive. Most people don't want to project a player to score more than 20 because there are games where the player can score six. It's possible. Antonio Brown has a three for 30 game in him every year. I understand that. Yes, But our projection models discount the performances on the extremes. We discount the three touchdown games and we discount the three for 30 games. And when you look right down the barrel of the productivity, you had to think facing the Tennessee Titans that Antonio Brown was going to go well over 20 fantasy points. And there we have it. There we have it. And I'm seeing lists where members of the sports media are now putting Antonio Brown in their pantheon of all-time great wide receivers. Or if you were starting a franchise today, you had to pick a wide receiver from the last 30 years. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. Now you start to see Antonio Brown showing up on these lists. Oh, but of course he can't be up there with Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. No, no, no. He has to be down the list. Yes, he's somewhere between 5 and 10 on these lists, right? It's wrong. Those lists are wrong. (laughs) You can't have Calvin Johnson ahead of Antonio Brown. What are you doing? You can't have anyone but Jerry Rice ahead of Antonio Brown. Been saying this for over a year now. Then Antonio Brown, when it's all done, will be challenging Jerry Rice's all-time records. I talked about this with Jake Seeley. We've talked about this with Kevin O'Brien. Just wait. He's not slowing down and he never gets injured. Never. Juxtapose Antonio Brown's career with Alshon Jeffery's career. The moment you tout Alshon Jeffery, consider him a top five receiver in the second half. The moment that happens, predicting an Alshon Jeffery fantasy football surge. The moment you consider that as a possibility, what happens? Oh, sprains an ankle in practice. In practice, he sprained an ankle. So now we have to throttle back the Alshon Jeffery expectations for the rest of the season and for this week. Alshon Jeffrey will be moved down the weekly rankings today, as well as the seasonal rankings. When Alshon Jeffrey injures an ankle and plays through it, his production is diminished. And because he's playing through it, it lingers for weeks and weeks and weeks. We know this. We also know that players that have been performance enhancers in the past are more likely to be injured in the future. The Ryan Matthews corollary. You cannot have a season in which Alshon Jeffery is not injured multiple times. Now, there are very few players, as a percentage of the population of NFL players, there are very few per capita that we know to be performance enhancers. But of those players, you can expect them to get hurt. Another one is Doug Martin. Expect him to be hurt momentarily. That's why you're stashing Peyton Barber. You have to stash Peyton Barber because he's the new number two running back on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers depth chart. It's not Jaquiz Rogers, and sadly, I wish it was, but it's not Charles Sims. It's absolutely Peyton Barber. Now, I'm not impressed with Peyton Barber, but he's big and he's agile. So if you like Jonathan Williams, big, agile runner who is not a mega producer in college, but did grind out difficult yards in the SEC. If you like that prototype, and a lot of people like Jonathan Williams, looking for Jonathan Williams to get a chance, adding Jonathan Williams now that he's on that Saints depth chart, as am I, of course. When a running back gets poached from another team's practice squad, you have to think that that team who's doing the poaching intends to use that back. And with Adrian Peterson now in Arizona, there's a gaping void at the number 3 running back position in New Orleans. Think it's going to be Trey Edmonds? Maybe. Probably not. Jonathan Williams, on a team like the Saints, an efficient offense. They're no longer prolific, but they at least are efficient, and they have the best run-blocking offensive line in the league. You don't believe me? Ask Mark Ingram in his three-touchdown performance last week. You want to be stashing running backs on offenses like the Saints. The hyper-efficient offenses. The problem is, if Mark Ingram is hurt, the touches will skew toward Alvin Kamara, and then Jonathan Williams will become the short-yardage specialist. He will have value, but he's not a handcuff, in quotes. Peyton Barber is a handcuff. Doug Martin is injured. Peyton Barber becomes the primary back. 30.9% college dominator at Auburn. That's high for an SEC program. You don't see running backs post a 30% college dominator. Alex Collins didn't do it at Arkansas. Mark Ingram did it. Derrick Henry did it. Very few other SEC running backs are able to do it. So he has that 1121, 65th percentile agility score, an upper percentile college dominator to go with that size, 228 pounds, and a 32.7 BMI 93rd percentile. So this is a stout, compact runner who looks a lot like Doug Martin, right? That's the thing we like about Doug Martin, a stout, compact, agile, between-the-tackles grinder. Well, that's Peyton Barber as well, and it makes sense. That's how these coaches think, They don't think, oh, let's transform the offense and feature Charles Sims. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that. That would require creativity. No, that's impossible. I refuse to be creative. We cannot create new plays that highlight and emphasize the skills of the players we have on the roster. We can't go hunting for the most explosive players and find creative ways to feature them. No, no, no. We can't do that. We have to find a guy that's a lesser version of the current guy we have and slot him in as the primary backup. So when the starter, a performance enhancer, inevitably gets hurt, we could just one for one copy and paste running back B in place of running back A, and we don't have to change our playbook at all. Same plays. I don't want to have to go back to my office And stand in front of a whiteboard and design new plays, install a new game plan that features Charles Sims and leverages his explosiveness. (laughs) Why would I do that? That would help us win games. Ew. It's only my primary job description, right? To maximize the production of the 53 players we have on the roster, right? That's only my primary mission as. Coach of the Buccaneers. No, 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 no. Why would I do that? I could just copy and paste Peyton Barber into Doug Martin's role. Hey, problem solved. This is why I sometimes loathe the NFL. That. And in New Orleans, no, we can't give Trey Edmonds an opportunity. No, 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 We can't do that. Trey Edmonds is too explosive. He runs a four, five, three, At 223 pounds, that's a 105.9, 79th percentile speed score with a 121.4, 65th percentile burst score. Now, we can't have an explosive playmaker in our backfield. No, we have to go get Jonathan Williams. Yes, because Jonathan Williams played in the SEC. He's a player our scouts are familiar with. Trey Edmonds is just a guy that showed up at training camp And won a job because of his on-field performance throughout training camp and preseason. And is translating his athleticism into on-field performance. (laughs) That's not good enough. We've heard of Jonathan Williams. He played at Arkansas. Gotta go get him. I just want to grab some of these football guys by the shoulders and just shoot them. Stop creating new ways to not win games. Stop it. Just stop it. And start by doing the following. Maximize the talent on your roster. Optimize your starting lineup by featuring your best players. And create a game plan that emphasizes the strengths of your best players. That somehow eludes most NFL offensive coordinators and head coaches. Which leads us back to Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown is not number two on your all-time wide receiver list, your all-time wide receiver list is wrong. You're suffering from all kinds of biases. Most likely, vividness bias. Yes, the bias du jour on the Roto Underworld Radio Airwaves, vividness bias. All oh, those spectacular Randy Moss catches cannot be forgotten yet. Randy Moss was hugely inconsistent throughout his career, often injured, his career ended early, and he was not able to repeat the spectacular performances week in, week out, the way Antonio Brown is. So Antonio Brown's consistency and longevity have more value than the splash plays that Randy Moss was able to deliver some weeks but not others. I'm projecting Antonio Brown's career stats based on what we've seen, a player who has been the pinnacle of health in an otherwise broken league where stars from Aaron Rodgers to Odell Beckham Jr., fall by the wayside each and every year, there's Antonio Brown, like a metronome on the outside. That has incredible value. Consistency is valuable. Trust in weekly performances is valuable. Antonio Brown is number one on the playerprofiler.com dynasty rankings, as he has been consistently, as long as player profiler has existed, and he will remain there for many years Because he could play until he's 40. That's in his range of outcomes. We saw Jerry Rice do it. And I know you're not supposed to chase outliers. But in the case of Antonio Brown, he himself has already established himself as an extreme outlier. So now you can only comp him to other extreme outliers. And you're left with just Jerry Rice at this point. So I think Antonio Brown will be performing at his peak through age 35. And no one has a dynasty player valuation window that spans longer than five years. So I've yet to hear the case against posting up Antonio Brown at the top of one's dynasty rankings and just leaving him there and then letting the other receivers jockey for positions two through ten. Our top five is Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans. That's our top five. The only player older than 26 years old is Antonio Brown because he's the only player that we believe will defy the age-adjusted productivity curve. Where you see most wide receivers greatly diminished by age 34, out of the league by age 36. That's most wide receivers, but not Antonio Brown. Because at Player Profiler, we are discerning about how players age. We don't just plug players into a formula which insists that Antonio Brown is about to experience a significant decline and then spit out computerized dynasty rankings that are in no way discerning and are also wrong because they don't have Antonio Brown in the top five, which is ludicrous. And we continue to have Larry Fitzgerald in the top 30 while Brandon Marshall and Jordy Nelson were falling outside the top 30. Now outside the top 50, there's Larry Fitzgerald holding steady. Right there with Michael Crabtree, T.Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, much, 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 much younger receivers. Larry Fitzgerald is a specimen. He is an outlier. You can't be liberal about your outlier assignments, but you can have one or two exceptions per position and say, we're going to treat this player differently. where We will be discerning about how this player is going to age based on the evidence that has accrued on this player over time. And we've identified Antonio Brown and Larry Fitzgerald as those outliers. And someone who I believe may be an outlier in the future, who may also defy the age odds, is actually Adam Thielen. Because he hasn't played on NFL fields for a full snap share until this year. Only now is Adam Thielen taking the full punishment that NFL defensive backs have to offer. That's how Adam Thielen can remain in the top 20 dynasty wide receivers on playerprofiler.com because I believe Adam Thielen will have an extended career because the start of his career was delayed. So don't be surprised when Adam Thielen is a wide receiver one at age 30. I mean, we Just write that down. Put me down for that take right now. At age 30, Adam Thielen will be a wide receiver one. Just write that down. That's my take. Hot. So hot. And so far into the future, no one will remember this and never even consider holding me accountable. The perfect sports take. Super hot and unaccountable. woo Just how I like it. And I'm seeing some hot takes around Marcus Mariota. Yeah, apparently Marcus Mariota is no good, right? Because Rich Rebar came on the show and he said, The Marcus Mariota red zone efficiency is not sustainable. It's been sustained for multiple seasons, but it's still not sustainable. And this is small sample randomness at its finest. Where one season, it's easy to write it off. After two seasons, oh, this is the truth. This is a trend that can endure. No, it can't. You spun the roulette wheel and you hit red 10 times in a row. That's possible. I've seen it. I've seen a roulette wheel hit red 20 times in a row. In Marcus Mariota's case, it was 32 times in a row. Minus those games he missed when he was injured. Marcus Mariota is the same quarterback he was coming out of Oregon, the same quarterback he was in 2015, 2016, and he's the same quarterback in 2017. He's excellent. He's just on the wrong side of the roulette wheel this season. This is the time to get Marcus Mariota in Dynasty. Now, right now, while the sports media knuckle-draggers are waving around misguided hot takes. Like a lit lighter at a Scorpions concert. Here's one from Grant Paulson, whoever that is. Marcus Mariota is a lot like Tyrod Taylor. Wrong. Limited throwers in the pocket. Great playmakers, but not good passers. One got benched. The other is beloved. Marcus Mariota's not beloved. What? The big reason why draft status. Being taken number two helps. Well, that's true. That's correct. Congratulations, Grant Paulson. One for five on statements about Marcus Mariota on Twitter. A single tweet, thanks to the 280 character role, we're now treated to extra wrongness from Grant Paulson. Love the bonus wrongness we get. Thanks, Twitter. Thanks for nothing. The sports media knuckle-draggers are in such a hurry to fire off bad quarterback takes. Startling. Please don't stop, because it's what fuels the mansion content engine. Yes, bad quarterback takes. We should have one every show. We should make a ritual on the show, mocking the bad quarterback takes. Once again, Corey Davis led all Titans receivers and targets. Look for this to continue. And because Marcus Mariota is an accurate passer, look for Corey Davis's production to steadily rise throughout the season. Just keep ticking up, 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 up. Next week, he gets Indianapolis. The week after that, he gets Houston. The week after that, he gets Arizona. The week after that, he gets San Francisco. I made it to my fantasy football championship game in week 16. Thank you to Corey Davis. No thanks to Drew Brees, though, huh? Woof. The Saints are 7-2. and two. Yeah! But you wouldn't know it looking at the faces of fantasy football enthusiasts that own Drew Brees. I don't like that term own. It really has the slave owner connotation which makes me uncomfortable. A better word is syndicate. Now there's more syllables. Oh no, oh, more syllables. But Twitter's helping us out. They're giving us more characters so we can use more letters. And this allows us to be less off-putting with our language. Imagine that, thanks Twitter. (laughs) I've yet to read a 280 character tweet that would not have been better as a 140 character tweet. I try to refrain from going over 140 characters. I've been trained by Twitter over the years to keep it to 140, and I intend to do that. I may fail on occasion, but that's my intention. Did yoga last night, before every yoga practice. You think about your intentions. That's my intention. To use Twitter responsibly, which means keeping it under 140. And if you tweet me something over 140 characters, I will not read it. I repeat, I will not read it. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and keep typing away. Type, 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 type. Keep typing. Bang your head on the keyboard. I couldn't care less. Go ahead. I won't read it. I have neither the time nor the inclination to read a book on social media. No thanks. If I want to do that, I'll go to Facebook. And I don't go to Facebook ever. So stop typing and just click send. It's called being concise and efficient. And that's what Drew Brees has been doing. He's been efficient. I mean, don't believe me? 58% deep ball completion percentage. That's number one in the NFL. Drew Brees is showing no signs of age. So again, do not listen to the knuckle-dragging sports media gas bags telling you Drew Brees is diminished. He is not diminished. But the volume is not there. That's some sort of box score bias yeah, that's what it is. Just invented a new term. Box score bias. Yes. The yards aren't there, so Drew Brees must be diminished. No, no. Go to playerprofiler.com, check out the advanced efficiency metrics, and you'll find, oh, he's not diminished at all. No, no. Brees and Russell Wilson are strikingly similar to me because they're both small, but they have big hands. The difference is Russell Wilson scores fantasy points in the running game and through the air. Breeze must go airborne or bust, and this year he has been a fantasy bust. That's because the pass volume is way down. It's way down. 2016, 673 pass attempts. He's on pace for 533 pass attempts this year. (laughs) That was fun. Let me do that again. Because the defense is rejuvenated. As it turns out, Marshawn Lattimore and Cameron Jordan are a problem for Drew Brees' fantasy owners. Blame the defense. Look at the game script. Brees has been betrayed by the game script because that measures average point differential at any point in the game. The Saints have a plus plus. 5.26 game script on playerprofiler.com that is number three in the NFL. So that drives down their historically high pass to run ratio. If you're up almost a touchdown at any point in the game, you're incentivized to run the ball and that's what they're doing. Ask Mark Ingram. Positive game script is great for running backs who want carries in the second half, but fantasy quarterbacks crave negative game scripts and garbage time. It's how a bad quarterback like Blake Bortles can be a top five quarterback in fantasy football. And if you're Russell Wilson, you can still rush for touchdowns when Seattle's defense was at the peak of its powers and be a top five quarterback. Drew Brees does not have that ripcord. The run for touchdowns ripcord, even though he did rush for a touchdown last week, which was great. Thank you, Drew. But more often than not, he just finds himself handing off over and over and over and over and over again in the second half. So you have to go look for other options. You cannot play Drew Brees on the road. At least when he's at home, the efficiency can be so high that he's a must start. But when the Saints go on the road, it becomes a defensive struggle. You don't want to start quarterbacks that find themselves in defensive struggles. Every week is a struggle for Denver, right? I mean, go ahead and bench Drew Brees, but do not, I repeat, do not think about starting a Denver Broncos quarterback. No, 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 no. Have you gone to the NFL standings lately? Have you seen where Denver's slotted in in these standings? Last place in the AFC West. (laughs) And everyone's to blame except Emmanuel Sanders. Because all Emmanuel Sanders does is convert splash plays when called upon. While his teammates are flatlining and the Broncos experienced their fifth straight loss last week, what did Sanders do? Oh, his QB rating when targeted on playerprofiler.com was 104.2 last week. This is in contrast to Demarius Thomas who perfectly personifies the decline of the Denver Broncos. If you want to chart the decline of the Denver Broncos, just look at Demarius Thomas's fantasy output. He's like this down escalator that's going very slowly, very slow. So you had Peyton Manning at the peak of his powers. There, Demarius Thomas, a high-end WR1 then he's a low-end WR1, then he's a high-end WR2, then he's a low-end WR2, then he's a high-end WR3, then he's a low-end WR3, then he's a high-end WR4, then he's a low-end WR4. In 2025, Demarius Thomas will be a low-end WR8. (laughs) I just just cracked myself up. That was awesome. (laughs) Oh, it's Trevor Simeon's fault. Oh, they can't find a quarterback. Uh, This is the Trevor Simeon we've always known. I went to Northwestern University I was a Trevor Simeon fan at Northwestern. But in the pros? The pros? Professional football? The National Football League? Trevor Simeon? Like, what? When the Broncos rolled out Trevor Simeon last year, that's when I knew, oh, John Elway has jumped the shark. He thinks he can win with Trevor Simeon. This guy's delusional. Yeah, The only one surprised by Trevor Simeon's inefficient play has been the delusional John Elway. John Elway is the most overrated front office executive in all of sports. Not saying he's the worst, but he's the most overrated because he's widely viewed as great, even though he's bad. That's how one becomes... Exceptionally overrated because over time, the team you draft is the team you get. And what have the Broncos failed to do year in, year out? They're not restocking their team. Every year, you look up, and the Broncos have drafted exactly nobody. They're terrible at player valuation. And you can't give me free agent signings. We talked to Pat Doherty about this, and I agree. I concede. Emmanuel Sanders was a great signing. Very smart to see that Emmanuel Sanders could step up and be the number one wide receiver for a team because that's what he is, not Demarius Thomas. So Congratulations, but like Pat said, it's the blind squirrel corollary. You're going to find an Emmanuel Sanders. But don't give me Peyton Manning. Every team with cap space was trying to get Peyton Manning. And don't give me to Talib. Every team with cap space was trying to get Aqib Tlaib. It was shocking that a cornerback as skilled as Aqib Tlaib was on the open market, just like it was shocking that a quarterback as skilled as Peyton Manning was on the open market. The Broncos just happened to have a bare cupboard and money to spend so they were able to sign Peyton Manning and Aqib Tlaib. Get out of here giving credit to John Elway for those signings. The most obvious free agent signings of the last decade. Please, do what's not obvious. Mine talent in the NFL draft. And the only position the Denver Broncos have gotten right in the NFL draft is defensive line in the last five drafts. So you go five drafts and the only position you've gotten right is defensive line, your team is going to be three and six. And they're going to be bad for a very, 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 very long time. I mean, don't be surprised. When we look up in 2022, and the Denver Broncos still don't have a winning record. Again, the perfect hot take. It's so hot, and yet impossible to be held accountable. <laughs> and I will never forget, ever, 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 that John Elway drafted Brock Osweiler in the second round. He couldn't play at Arizona State. He had a sub-40th percentile QBR and yards per attempt. Without the early breakout age, no redeeming qualities at Arizona State. He was a non-athlete as well, and at a low wonderlick, a 25 wonderlick. A 25 wonderlick? That's Ben Roethlisberger-level non-intelligence. And if you have the Ben Roethlisberger skill set, okay. Wheels up, right? Not Brock Osweiler. That's a second-rounder. Just lighting a second-rounder on fire. We make fun of the Jets all the time for Christian Hackenberg. Make fun of the Broncos for Brock Osweiler. But no, 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 no. That was John Elway. No, John Elway. He saw something. Big arm. Yeah, understandable. No, it was a stupid draft pick. And then they tried to re-sign him, except the Texans are equally bad. Entered a bidding war for Brock Osweiler's services, and Denver lost a bidding war. It's not that Denver forfeited Brock Osweiler because they knew he couldn't play. Oh no, they thought he could play. They wanted to give him over $50 million. The Texans just bid him up over $70 million. Non-guaranteed, but the fact remains. The Broncos didn't exactly walk away from Brock Osweiler. And guess what? He's back, and he's the starting quarterback this week for the Denver Broncos can't make this up you also can't make up the fact the fact that brock osweiler is making more money than tom brady this year like that's the most inexcusable dichotomy between two athletes in the history of sports that at this point in tom brady's career he's making less than brock osweiler And this is partly because John Elway wanted to retain Brock Osweiler's services and forced the Houston Texans into a bidding war. Do not forget that. You're not allowed to forget that. Then he came back with a first round pick a few years later on Paxton Lynch, and you're not allowed to forget that. I understand. Quarterback evaluation is difficult. The probability of hitting on a quarterback in the NFL draft is lower than any other position. But the selection of Brock Osweiler shows there's no rational process underlying the decision-making. And that's an indictment. It's also an indictment of John Fox that he refuses to play Tariq Cohen. And all you hear is excuses. Oh, yeah, well, you know, defenses are taking away Tariq Cohen. Yeah, yeah. So we can't use him. Yeah, they see him coming. So we gotta gotta go with Jordan Howard, who no one will see coming, right? No one sees Jordan Howard coming. Like, what? If you're offended by the Buccaneers underutilization of Charles Sims then you have to be beside yourself at the Bears underutilization of Tariq Cohen who runs a 442 was a dominant college producer 40.8% dominator rating on playerprofiler.com at North Carolina A&T. he looks like the next Darren Sproles there's only one running back comparable to Darren Sproles in the playerprofiler.com database and that is Tariq Cohen if i were running the bears i would be giving Tariq Cohen An even split opportunity share. Knowing he's small and he can't withstand a full running back workload at the NFL level, understanding that, I would throttle him all the way back to a 50% opportunity share and then split the carries between Benny Cunningham and Jordan Howard evenly. Jordan Howard would be my short yardage specialist because that's the only scenario on a football field, the only situation where he's useful. There are two metrics on Jordan Howard's player profile or player page that perfectly exemplify Jordan Howard's inability to score fantasy points. In the second efficiency row, his dominator rating is 28.5%. That's Jordan Howard's percentage of total team yards and touchdowns. That's number eight in the NFL. On a relative basis, because the Bears run less plays than most NFL teams, Jordan Howard's volume is tremendous. His relative usage, well inside the top 10. And yet, his juke rate, evaded tackles per touch, only 18.3%. That's 44th in the NFL. And the game script, which is positioned adjacent to the Dominator rating, negative 4.97, 27th in the league. So they are feeding Jordan Howard while losing. John Fox is feeding Jordan Howard when losing. If you want to know what's wrong with the Chicago Bears, that's your answer. Those two metrics side by side. Feeding Jordan Howard while losing. That's the answer. And it's amazing how many NFL teams you can run through and identify incompetence in leadership positions. Just go down the list of NFL teams. One of the most lucrative organizations in the world, the NFL, run predominantly by men who don't know what the fuck they're doing. All men, by the way. I would love to see a woman in a head coaching role. I think a woman would be a much better head coach. Oh, so much better. I think 90% of the men in the world in leadership positions should be replaced with women. In countries, companies, sports teams, everywhere. And I think you would find that on 4th and 1, instead of either an ego-soaked run-up-the-middle or a cowardly punt-or-field goal, we would be treated to a Tariq Cohen screen pass for a first down. Yes. Someday in my lifetime, make this happen, society. Please. But in the meantime, we have to deal with the NFL that we're dealt, with the fantasy football matchups that we're dealt. And this week, as we do every week, we will be playing Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, what a feeling. That needs to be a song. What a feeling, Adam Thielen. Ow, what a feeling. I was closing my eyes as I was swaying in front of the microphone. Why was I doing that? I was feeling it. I was feeling Adam Thielen. That's what was happening. A year ago, the question was, well, is Adam Thielen worthy of being an NFL starter? Then the question was, well, is he a fantasy starter? And the question was, well, is he a star? And the question is, well, is he matchup proof? The answer, routinely, yes, 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 yes. Definitively, yes. Adam Thielen has converted 68% of his targets 15 or more yards downfield. Think about that. Think about that catch rate on deep passes. Think about that. He leads the league in deep ball receptions on playerprofiler.com. And you can tell that by going to the data analysis tool at the top clicking wide receivers and you have access to every field in the player profiler database and you can select deep ball receptions deep ball targets and sort the list and there's adam Thielen. what a feeling he's the only nfl receiver with five or more receptions in each and every game this season and i know the rams Don't allow a lot of fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Kayvon Webster's good, but Adam Thielen may see a slot guy who's even better. Go to our depth charts, playerprofiler.com forward slash depth dash charts. Scroll down and you'll see the cornerback depth chart. Nickel Roby Coleman, one of the best slot corners in the NFL. We talked about this on the Big Tilt podcast earlier this week. With Ian and Eric, we talked about Roby Coleman. He's good. For a slot corner to only allow a 53.1 catch rate to opposing wide receivers on slant passes, think about that. That's exceptional. But you know Adam Thielen will catch five passes regardless. Adam Thielen is a full-blown slot receiver. He's a pumped-up slot receiver. His slot rate on player profiler over 50%, so he will see a lot of Roby Coleman, and it won't matter. Adam Thielen has the highest floor on a weekly basis than any other wide receiver in the NFL other than Antonio Brown. All right, so now we're at three. We have three exceptions to the rule, three identified outliers that break our models. It's now Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, and add Adam Thielen. And I know this week we have Blaine Gabbert, right? We have Blaine Gabbert under center, and this is supposed to be a problem, but it's not. Because even Blaine Gabbert can have success against the Houston Texans. The Texans cornerbacks are maximum, 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 maximum vulnerable, particularly to deep balls, right? So you look at Jonathan Joseph, he'll line up outside. Who will he match up against? Not Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown. Jonathan Joseph is quietly having a Darrell revis esque washed-out season. We have a burn rate metric for cornerbacks. How often are they getting burned by wide receivers getting five or more yards of separation downfield on their targets? Jonathan Joseph's burn rate is more than 10%. That's stunning. And what is John Brown's specialty? Burning it down. And Blaine Gabbert has a strong arm. That's the reason he was drafted out of Missouri is he does have a strong arm. And if he's been rewired by Bruce Arians to throw the ball downfield and not be bankrupt man's Alex Smith, which is what he was in Jacksonville and San Francisco, then maybe he uncorks one downfield, maybe two to John Brown. John Brown could have two touchdowns this week. John Brown's ceiling is 30 fantasy points. John Brown is the ultimate GPP play this week. Who am I avoiding? Well, Devontae Adams, right? You can't play Devontae Adams. Might have been fooled, right? 90 yards, a touchdown last week. Oh, Devontae Adams, he's their number one option. At least the number one option will get targets. Sure, right? But what about Jimmy Smith? He's been my favorite corner to stay away from other than the Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boye, Rambo combo. Jimmy Smith's coverage rating, which factors in target rate and factors in pass breakups, top five in the league. And his passer rating allowed, get this, Jimmy Smith's passer rating allowed, 34.5. That's number one in the NFL. That's better than Jalen Ramsey. That's better than A.J. Boye. So no, you're not playing Devontae Adams. Because even though Jordy Nelson's snap share is higher, teams have been shadowing Adams with their number one cornerback more often than not. And without that Aaron Rodgers mind meld, Jordy Nelson is just another guy tethered to Brett Hundley. He's droppable. And I had a question on Twitter. Should I be streaming Josh Doxson? Great matchup at New Orleans. The fuck are you talking about? Great matchup at New Orleans. If you were listening to the first part of this podcast, then you know, oh, that's not a good matchup. The New Orleans defense is the reason why Drew Brees is not a top fantasy option. And the biggest reason why the New Orleans defense has been resurrected, is Marshawn Lattimore, who's a top three corner on the playerprofiler.com cornerback rankings. You go to our seasonal rankings, the far right tab, cornerbacks. Check it out. Marshawn Lattimore is the land of no return. If you want to get creative and chase those implied points, then play Jamison Crowder, but don't touch Doxson because he'll be shadowed by Lattimore. Doxson's the outside receiver. He's a 90% snap share on the outside the last five weeks. He'll essentially be... A young explosive decoy this week. Want to stream a wide receiver with upside? Play Kenny Stills. Yeah, baby. Going up against a Tampa secondary, allowing 40 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. Vernon Hargreaves is nursing a hamstring, right? And Vernon Hargreaves isn't even good. Vernon Hargreaves has been benched this year. So now who does Stills get if it's not Hargreaves? The torch-worthy outside cornerback Robert McLean—wasn't huh? that Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard? McLean, right? Robert McLean won't die hard this Sunday. He'll die easy on deep passes to Kenny Stills. What a feeling. What a feeling.